Hey everybody, Ashton Gustafson here. Welcome back to another episode of Good, True, and Beautiful. Super excited today uh, to have a new friend on the show. Not long ago, my wife came across either an Instagram profile or something online and said, hey, there's this guy named Rocky Garza. Sounds like he's uh, a voice that you need at the table, and maybe you should check him out. So kind of looked him up, saw that uh, it seems as though he and I have a lot of alignment in the way we uh, approach life, family, relationships, and business. And that being said, uh, Rocky Garza is joining us today. Rocky, thanks for taking the time to chat with us. Man, absolutely. I, I am completely honored to be able to be here and to join this conversation. So thank you so much. You bet, man. So um, not only for myself, but even for our listeners, uh, when you kind of introduce uh, who you are and your work in the world, where do you begin? Yeah, that's a good question. You know, I'm really good at taking people through my life. When I get to this point, I say, I was this, I was this, I was this, and now I'm a, well, whatever you want to call me is what I am. <laughs> so uh, I, I guess I'm a, I am a self-proclaimed, I am on a journey of trying to become a people expert. Hmm. Um, so my business card says people expert. That's kind of how I pitch myself or sell myself or try to differentiate the work I'm trying to do with either individuals or teams or organizations. But um, yeah, I, I am dedicated to spending the rest of my life to help individuals find freedom. Mm. Um, and whether that's freedom from fear, doubt, obstacle, insecurity, whether that's freedom from the, the perceived box that we have either created for ourselves or that has been created for us. Um, I want you to be able to see and fully understand who you are, why that matters, what that means, and then how to take that and use that, uh, in the world. Mm. So I, I've, I've watched some of your content online and listened to some of your stuff, and it seems as though um, you've kind of taken your story and your rediscovery of who you are, your true self, who you are at the soul level, and said, man, this led to liberation for me. I want it to lead to liberation for others. My sense is that that's really what you're passionate about, helping people rediscover and rekindle who they are. Would you say that's a great way to kind of package yeah, what you're I, doing these days? Yeah, I think that's a, I think that's a beautiful way to say it. I, um, there is nothing that I tell someone that they don't tell me first. Hmm. Um, I am not in the business of telling you something about you that you don't know. I am not in the business of, of mysticism or trying to be a Harry Potter or trying to, hmm. I, I am, I am, I'm not trying to pull something from you from the depths that you didn't know existed. Uh, I am trying to help reinvigorate the things about you that I know that you know, mm -hmm. and I want to be able for you to be able to see those in such a way with clarity that inevitably by time, energy, effort, trauma, experience, society, culture, those things get muddled in masks and, and put over all kinds of scenarios. Um, I want for you to see and own that there, there's two things that I believe to be true. So now you got me going, so I apologize, but <laughs> Let's go. there's, there's, there's two things I think every person has to be able to say at the same time in the same breath with no punctuation if we want to begin to put ourselves in a position to experience freedom. The first statement is this. You are I. I am wildly unique and extraordinary, and there's nobody in the world like me. I believe fundamentally it is impossible for there to be another human being who is like you. The identical twins should be called similar twins. They're not identical. There's literally no one in the world like you. And same time, same breath, no punctuation. You are 100% regular, meaning that you are no more or no less valuable than any other person on earth. Mm. And I think there's a, a, there's an incredible tension between those that says, I want to be able to stand unapologetically in who I am as a human being. Yeah. And same time, same breath, 
stop comparing my life to somebody else's purpose and being frustrated that I wasn't made to do what somebody else was born and made and designed to do. Hmm. And I think that that's where we get lost is one, we lose sight of who we are. And we just say that we're just, we're just run of the mill like everybody else. And then we look around at somebody who has a unique purpose or something that we value in a, in a high way and go, well, I guess because I don't have what they were made for, I'm not valuable. Hmm. And so I think we all end up all of us and, and well, all of us, I mean, some of us are better at it than others. And by better, I mean, we are healthier. So take better with healthier. That's what I yeah, mean. Yeah. Some of us are healthier so that we can, we can manage one or the other better. But all of us, you think one of two things. We all think that we're a little bit better or we think we're a little bit worse. Hmm. All of us. And those two statements lend itself to those two thoughts. And yeah. so those of us that land that says we're, we're a little bit better. Well, what, well, what are you hiding? What are you fearful? What are you, what are you hiding behind? What are you, what are you afraid is going to be seen? What are you afraid to expose? What, why are you afraid to be seen as fraud? Because that's the only reason there's an ounce of pride. Pride is just fear manifest. So you're going, I'm going to puff up a little bit because I'm afraid you're going to see something. Well, the other side says I'm a little bit worse. Well, what lie, what insecurity have you been believing your whole life that makes you feel like you are less valuable than everybody else? Who, who lied to you? What scenario lied to you and told you that you were not as valuable as somebody else? Mm. And on both sides of that, there's a lie to be redeemed to then say, no, actually, let's shine light on that to say, here's what the truth is. Yeah. And then that truth, all of a sudden, there's an immediate amount of freedom they were able to find because of that. So as you move into this, uh, I'm going to call it like a coach, kind of life coaching in a way, um, you, you approach people saying, hey, you already behold the answer. I'm, you're, not, you're not bringing answer to people. You believe that when you walk through some of these exercises with people and, and enter the journey with them, that it's not some esoteric thing they're going to find outside of themselves that actually with the packaging came the truth, came the wisdom. And over time, we've either forgotten it, gotten lost in it, or um, maybe never were told that the truth was within us. 100%. Yeah. I don't have any power or ability to communicate something from you or somehow get something from you that is not already there. Yeah. Yeah. I, I simply want to help you be an unbiased third party with no skin in the game to help you get to a place so you can see what that thing is yeah. and then find the confidence to actually not just see it, but then do something with it. And I love like you've, you know, one of our conversations often here at the podcast is, is the both and conversation in lieu of the either or conversation. Right. Um, and so in a way you're, you're framing a lot of this conversation about identity and who we are at the soul level of yeah, there is some ownership in owning your individual uniqueness, but in the very same breath, there's actually universal truth that is the same amidst all of us. Although I'm not you, I'm no other than you. Um, and so I, I, I love, I think that's beautiful, and I would love to hear your thoughts on maybe how you've met people or what you see people, uh, some of their challenges when they are stuck between one of these paradigms. Either I'm totally unique and no one else is like me or, oh my gosh, I'm just average and normal and the same as everyone. Yeah, I think that freedom is only found when that is done in the context of, and I'm going to use a word that either has a lot of baggage for people or that has a lot of freedom for people, but I want to try to redefine it. So I've only found that there, that individuals can find freedom actual freedom, not like, not like instantaneous aha, that's different. I'm talking about actual freedom. It is only done when this process is either conducted or followed up with community. 
because we were not designed to take who we are isolated on an island by ourselves, never interact with another human being and then to be used. That's not, I, I don't, I just don't fund them. I just don't fundamentally think we were made that way. Yeah. Yeah. So if we're going to take this and then be able to have the both end, you, the only way to see both sides is to where there is healthy abrasion with other people. Yeah. Because then That's I can good. go, wow, I am not like him. And also I am not better than him. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. also I am me. And also we are us. And right. Like, and then the, and also the, 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 the both end with healthy abrasion, it helps continually work off or, or beat off or what, you know, like tear off or mm-hmm. uh, how, how much of abrasion there actually is those things that continually pop up that feed into whatever those lies are. Um, and so I think it's one of those, it's one of those pieces where, um, when I have the, so I, I spent the last four days, I not last four days, I spent four days of last week in the mountains. I was at a women's, all women's Christian um, retreat for, uh, it's a, it's a getaway called Camp Well, a really good friend of mine named Jen Jett um, puts it on. And um, I was the only male there. I was the only man who's been asked in the last four times I've done it to ever attend or be there, be will, you know, able to be there. Um, and I spent eight and a half hours on the first day with all 50 of these women taking them through this. And then I did one-on-ones with all 50 over the course of the next two and a half days. Mm-hmm. And the reason it had, if it worked at all, the reason it worked is not because they trusted me. The reason it worked is because they trusted Jen. And the reason it worked because they trusted Jen is because they already in community with Jen. Mm-hmm. And the reason it's going to have an impact moving forward is not because of me or they're going to do follow-up or they were able to talk to me again. The reason it's going to work is because they are in community with other women yeah. and they have created a space where they are accountable in order for them to be able to know what is happening and have somebody who is going to help defend the thing that they say is valuable to them. Yeah. yeah. I, I am but a small, small marginal piece of the puzzle that if and willing that the, that the things align in order for me to be the place and the person in the room, then and only then is there a chance that what I do will be used for the growth and benefit of somebody else. Yeah. Um, my, my, my responsibility is to fulfill who I f- can identify that I was designed to be. Yeah. Yeah. My responsibility is not with what everybody else will do with that. Right. Totally. So the, the more we move into, we won't use the word better, but health, uh, integration, wholeness into who we are within the human experience, your argument is mutuality with others increases, community increases. A hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. And and then community increases and vulnerability increases. And vulnerability yeah. increases and so does empathy and there then empathy go. and so does care and so does care and then so does Let's go. actual change and servanthood and then service so does servanthood and then so does uh, you know, not just accountability, but the, from the place where I'm willing to let you help me. Yeah. And when I'm willing to let you help me now, all of a sudden now we're what we're five, six, seven steps in. Yeah. We're seven steps in and we just now arrive at a place where I am willing to ask for help because I see that you were designed and made to do something that I will never be able to do as well as you. Hmm. So I will not say yes so that my friend will like me. I will say no, because I know that Ashton was designed for it wow. and I want to put them with you. That's a good word. That's a good word. But I mean, we're like, we're like, I mean, we're talking, we're seven steps in, right? Yeah. yeah. But, and, and it's not, but that's, but it's, again, it's both in. We're like, ah, man, that's seven steps. But also that's like, that could happen in 24 hours. Totally. Like that, if, if we were willing to like, to let go and say, I am responsible for very little, 
I have a privilege of doing a whole lot. You know who I am not responsible for? My wife or my son. I, I am not responsible for them. Hmm. My wife is a grown ass woman. She is fully <laughs> capable. She is independent. She is strong. She is brave. The only reason I'm doing this is because of her, like she does, she is, she is fine. But you know who I have the privilege of doing my best to care for and love and serve my wife. Mm -hmm. And so there is a freedom to be found for that in me. That is not, is not weighty. It is not heavy. It is, it is beautiful. Is it work? Yes. Does it require me going, Hey, I'm good at these things, babe. I'm not good at these things. How can I help you help us with those things? Cause I'm terrible at those. Yes. That's good. But, but I think we, we compound a false responsibility because we're looking for value. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, totally. Which I think leads into this super significant part of the conversation that you're having. One of the, one of the things that I watched that you produced was um, with our identity, how we over identify with what we do. Um, and, and so you, you break down the difference between being and doing uh, and really how do you ground yourself within your being so from there you can do your doing in the world. It gets really kind of wonky when you dive into it like that. But hold my hand on this being versus doing conversation, yeah. whereas yeah. most cocktail parties, the first question is, well, what do you do? Um, right, and, and then... And then... Yeah, sorry. Go ahead. No, go ahead. You, no, 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 no. Well, I was just okay, going to so say that. that you basically say that that's not as interesting as who you are at the soul level, and until well, you, well, not only that, yeah, yeah, not only that, but then you go, hey, I'm Rocky, I'm Ash, nice to meet you, nice to meet you. What do you do? And then all of us across the board, if you if you're listening to this and you say you don't, stop it. Yes, you do. All <laughs> yes, of us, do. right? All of us. Then, based on what that person says, in less than two seconds, we make a snap judgment on whether or not that person is or is not valuable to us. Hmm. And if they are valuable, we lean in and offer to get them a cocktail so that we can make a sale. And if they are not, then we are quick to wrap it up to move on to where we can go find someone that we can make a sale, period. Hmm. Like, because we have created this false sense. And, and, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say something. People won't like it. If you don't, you can email me and we can talk about it. But, but, I, but I think as men, I think that's our fault. Hmm. I think we have created a standard that says – my ability to perform my profession and the amount that my check is every two weeks is direct deposited will be an account for my value as a human. And that is the only thing that matters in which people will say I, I did or I did not make it mm-hmm. yep. because you know who, you know what I get the most, fla- we're going to walk So keep me on track. Cause I'm going to yep. come back and answer your question, yeah, but you know what I get the most flack for in the business world is that I don't work. I do my best to go home at three 30 every day because that's when my son gets home from school. Yeah. And so I want to go ride scooters and, and do art and I want to, you know, yeah. play in the front yard and go to the park and, and I get told, why don't you have a webinar? Why don't you do something online? Or why don't you work well? You know, if you work well, you make more money or, you know, you're always complaining. You're always struggling. You're always, well, you know, I, I, w- I wasn't made so that you would value me because of my profession or my checkbook. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And so like, even in that as a society, specifically as men, we then, we then negate the things that make us who we are and the actual responsibility we've been given yep. because, because we can't align with it. And we say we don't agree or we say we can't make a connection because, Oh, well you decided I just need to work 60 hours so we can be frank. It's insane. It's insane. Yeah. Oh, right? and by the way, work expands to fit the time allowed. Right. <laughs> so right. it may be you operating out of a subconscious level that you are working 60 hours a week because you haven't right. defined the actual metrics that make the magic happen in whatever your profession yes. is. 
Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. So all that to go back to your question. So, you know, for as a, in, in it relates to like the, the the being and the doing. So you know, you you and I are you and I are having a conversation currently, and you and I are not. We are not currently uh, doing anything where we are generating a high amount of income. We are actually not doing anything to where that is even potentially related to like our profession or what brings on what brings on the yeah. bacon. None like, and you and I fundamentally, as 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 individuals, as human beings, and this is not. I'm not trying to be hokey pokey. I'm I'm serious. You and I are worth the same thing right now sitting here as we were if we were in our office hunkered down just grinding making deals happen yeah our value as a human being is the same yeah and to me that's the place where i want to help people get to go this is what i mean by your value and being Hmm. who you are is the same value as who you are when you're doing now that doesn't mean you should not do that's that's insanity right that's you know i'll go back that's that's like that's like somebody saying, because grace exists, you should sit on them. No, no, you missed the point. Yep. You, that's not. I want you to understand that there is a fundamental value about your human sitting idle because intrinsically of how you were made and how you were designed. I need for you to find freedom in that before you put your hands or feet to anything so that you know the value does not come because of the labor. But there is the labor will be used because it is done by somebody who is valuable and important. Yeah. Right. And so to me, like I want to help people get to a place to go. I want you to be sitting idle and feel and know and understand why you do what you do and how you do it and what you do, because those things collectively make up who you are and who you are should not change based on your situation. That's called situational, or at least I call it, it's called situational identity. I spent, mm. I spent 28 years of my life being the perfect chameleon. I mean, you put me in a room full of cowboys. You put me in a room full of businessmen. You put me in a room full of pastors. You put me in a room full of women. You put me in a room full of men. You put me in my family. You put me in my wife, my wife. I can be who you need me to be. Yeah. Yeah. And I can sell you your own shoes. And yet none of them were actually getting me. Mm. And so your experience well, was, was this breakthrough of actually waking up from your slumber. That in the midst of your doing... You were asleep. You weren't alive, awake in it. Um, and so I'd love to hear the process of that awakening, um, of, yeah, so of this gonna, awakened doing, if you will. Yeah. Okay. So, man, I'm going to go back, but I'm going to try to, I'm going to try to keep it followable so that people are not like, man, we're 28 minutes in. This guy's still talking. So, <laughs> um, I'm going to go, I'm going to go. So my, I was born in Kansas. I lived there for about a week. Uh, I came back to Dallas area, Dallas Metroplex. That was kind of always home base for me. My parents got divorced when I was young. We'll say for now, sometime around the age of two. Um, never lived with my dad growing up after that. We were friends, holiday here, holiday there, but um, never, never lived with him. Um, my mom has been married and divorced four times. She's on her, in her fifth relationship now. Um, and so that was a lot of part of the reason we moved slash her work. She's a really hard worker. She went from, you know, ground zero to collection agency all the way to becoming vice president of a company at one point. I mean, she is, if she is the, she, she knows how to work and she's a very hard worker. Um, she was doing her best. She was trying to create the life that she wanted me to have. And I, I'm extremely grateful for that. And at the very same time, in the same breath, you know, we moved 13 times before I graduated from high school. Um, I, I live with my grandparents, started in seventh grade and lived with them for the, through the rest of school until, um, and my mom lived like four streets away the whole time. So I say I had a really unique childhood in the fact that I was, uh, I had everything that I needed and mostly wanted material wise, but 
didn't understand why my dad wasn't around really. And then I got kind of resentful and angry in my teens because everybody else had a dad at their game and mine came occasionally and, you know, didn't understand when my mom chose men and jobs over me. And I don't know if she thought she was doing that or not, but I for sure felt that way. And uh, so I had this like mixed bag of like, from the outside, I was like the all American kid, but from the inside, like I was just longing for someone to say I was valuable and they loved me. And the way that most people said they loved me was because I was high performing. I was, um, I could uh, out talk you, out wit you, out thank you, out charisma you. And so people just assumed I had all my stuff together and I was fine. Uh, I graduated high school and went to junior college for a couple of years and same song, different verse, got a full ride to go to AM my junior year. So I went there and I'm not an academic again. I schmoozed my way into it. Uh, and, and then found myself one semester into my junior year of college and uh, I lost all the money and all the scholarships I had because I made A's and B's and you have to make all A's to keep money when people give it to you. And so I found myself in this position. I kind of call this like moment number one for me where I had this almost like existential experience where I like, I saw myself and I saw my life and I realized that if this is what life looks like when you stand in the middle of your own world, I don't want to live my life like this. Mm. Like this is surely I was not made to be the center of my own universe because, because everything has fallen apart. And I'm the most isolated and lonely I've ever been in my life. So I kind of like, I, I had a, I had a, I had a, I had a moment where I kind of like, had like a big come to Jesus moment for me in that and had a really great group of guys and kind of surrounded me and, and cared for me. And, and I ended up getting interviewing and, and going to a place called Sky Ranch in East Texas. It's a Christian summer camp for kids. And I went there as a counselor in 04 and I should not have been a counselor. I should not have been teaching about, about Jesus. And I should not have been t- in charge of people's lives, especially not children for 13 weeks, but, <laughs> but I did. And it was fine and no one died uh, physically or spiritually, hopefully. And so it worked out and, uh, for sure, a huge changing point. But for me, I kind of pendulum swung all the way to the other side. Actually, I kind of went all the way to the side that said, if, if you're not going to love me for my performance, maybe you'll love me for my martyrdom. Like, maybe you'll love me for my service. Like, maybe if I can outserve you and out care for you, if you don't love me for performing, maybe you'll love me then. Um, and I did that for, for about four or five years. Uh, met a girl, started dating. She was at camp also, got engaged. And then she called me one night and said, I have something to tell you. Um, my mom told me that if I didn't tell you that I was sleeping around with somebody else and she wasn't going to put a deposit down in our venue. And so, um, for me, obviously it was heartbreaking. And so I said, well, you know, tell your mom and said, thank you. And don't ever call me again. And so my world, my world kind of fell apart right then for a second time, because I had been doing all the things what I thought was the right way, what the people told me I was supposed to be doing to be a good guy, to have a good relationship to, um, and then everything kind of just fell apart in front of me again. But I had, but it was, but it was beautiful because I had this realization that I went from like one side, that kind of pendulum swung all the way to the other side, and then realized that's where this, that's where those two thoughts come from. Like that's where the, the tension comes from, is I realized no, it has to be someplace in the middle. Like surely I can stand unapologetically in who I am and simultaneously not compare my life to somebody else's purpose, and I can find freedom. Hmm. And so I left Sky Ranch. I came to Dallas. I was on pastoral staff at a church for about three and a half years, and that's when I met my wife and. She's incredible and beautiful and brave and strong and creative and uh, she's an artist. She's she's incredible and she's a grown um, ass woman. Uh, yeah, she's a grown ass <laughs> woman. She she doesn't need me anyway. Uh, I'm lucky to have her. So, um, and so we we met and got married and then about six months in our marriage we we're like, hey, you know, this is really hard and you don't really like your job and you want to pursue photography and yada yada yada. So anyway, long story short, she quit her job. She pursued photography. We sold a car. We downsized apartments. We could live off one salary and I was like living my dream at the church and. On pastoral staff and so but a year after that i get offered my dream job and so i don't know anybody who listens to this or you i don't know if you're familiar with matt chandler or not but yep. um you know i i i wanted to be matt chandler he didn't know that and he didn't know we were going to be best friends but in my mind we were so <laughs> you know we travel together and write books together i'd like probably write the forward in his book someday and yada 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 which is ludicrous to think about but that's really how i thought at the time i i, I, I wanted to he was the epitome of what i wanted to become and 
Um, so I kind of got offered that job at the church I was at. It was a church about three or four thousand, and I was going to. They offered me a teaching pastor job to teach twenty weekends a year, and um, I've never been to seminary, so they were going to bring somebody in three days a week and teach me and train me seminary one on one, and it was my it was a dream. It was what I'd always hoped to have. And so when you get offered your dream job, naturally you say no. Uh, and thankfully, there was enough grace and enough self awareness that I was way I knew I was more interested in being famous than I was about teaching people about Jesus. Mm. Um, and that's a really shitty reason to be a pastor. And mm. so uh, I said, no, I said, I, I, I can't, I don't want the job I have now and I can't offer that. I can't accept the promotion. So they said, what do you want to do? And I said, well, naturally I'm going to be a wedding photographer. Um, and so that was what my wife and I, Sarah and I had been kind of dabbling in. So we decided to jump into that full bore and really more out of like, a, we don't know what else to do. And so we're just going to jump and do it. Um, really from that moment on um, it became, and that was, that was uh, 2000, that was eight years ago. Um, really from that moment on, it became just this long process of unfolding, unweaving, um, taking apart. Uh, my wife and I spent multiple years in counseling independently and a little bit together. And I went through recovery at the church I was at and then led a group for four or five times at the church I was at. And we found community. We found biblical community. We found, uh, we, we started our own community here in Oak Cliff. We recently joined a new church here in Oak Cliff. We we took risks. We shut down businesses. We started new businesses. So the, a lot of things that the, on the outside world, you're like, oh my gosh, you're, you're risk takers. You're so brave. You're so great. You're so, and really for us, it's like, no, we're just like trying to make sure that we can get rid of all the things we think don't matter and just keep the things that do. And sometimes that means it just seems risky because we don't have a direct deposit mm-hmm. when that's not really it. And so I think, so that's a long way, but I, but I want to give context. I want to, I want to make sure that, you know, you get and people get that it's, this is not a, um, this is not a class. It's not a certification. This is not something I did or went to and someone taught some of the booklet is not uh, the, um, my goal. My goal when I show up every day and then maybe it sounds crazy, but I want to be able to bring the sum total of the, the sum total culmination of my life experience together for every moment that I have the ability to interact with somebody else, mm. because I think all of it is useful and valuable totally. for the freedom and development of other people. Yeah. And so my ability to be in this, this active, this active being, this, it is, it is hard and it is a lot of effort and it is a lot of work. And it requires me to get out of my own way almost 24 hours a day, seven days a week and to get out of my own head. And I'm, I'm helping and teaching and coaching businesses and they're thriving. And I look at my own and I'm like, I don't know what I'm doing. I'm the worst business owner that ever existed. And all, all, you know, all the things, I believe all the things everybody else believes too. It's not magic. It doesn't, it's, and yet, uh, I have to be able to sit idle and say the same thing that everybody else does. Hmm. And I have to be able to go, Hey, I know that I am valuable and I was created uniquely. And so I'm going to own that and tap into that and trust that so that I can try to provide some freedom in that for somebody else. And so is it easy? No. Do I have it figured out? No. Am I the master at it? No. Do I probably struggle just as much, if not more than everybody else? Yes. Hmm. But, but the freedom is, is that, that now I feel like I have the tools and resources and support and care and community and most importantly, abrasion to let that shit come to be able to, 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 to be broken off frequently enough that I've begun to build a new, a new shell, a new way to go. When that comes, it's like, it's like, it's like a duck, right? Like it hits me and I go, Oh man. And then it just rolls off my back. Yeah, yeah. And, it, and sometimes it's harder than others. And sometimes it hits worse than others. And like, please, like this is not a Rocky has it figured out. This is a, a lot of work and a lot of energy to get to a place to go. I want to be able to see myself as clearly and as healthy as I can, because that's the only way I feel like I'm actually going to be able to have any yeah. sort of impact. Yeah. Um, and so I don't know if that answers your question or yeah, not. Absolutely. And, and basically the, your, 
this is the conversation of excavating our essence, right? My buddy Chris Hewitt, that's how he phrases it, is that it's it's excavating essence, which is which is really digging down into who are you and what do you value, right? It's it's I think you've called it value based living. Um, so how do you enter this conversation for people? Because you've got experience, you've got story that's all unique to you. But for maybe some of our listeners that are sitting here listening, and my sense is some of them may feel tired, lost, yeah. wayward, yeah. confused, yeah. frustrated, angry. I think this this idea of giving yourself space, which it's this doesn't happen in a moment, like giving yourself a season to rediscover who you've always been, these these core values. Um, right. How do you begin in holding people's hands to have this conversation with themselves? Because it's yeah. this is step one to liberation. And right. Right. Uh, I just would love to hear your thoughts on really getting back to yeah. value-based living and what that means. Yeah, so, so, so 2017 for me was the, the two truths you have to believe at the same time, same breath. That's, that was kind of like my, I wrote that, I was my mantra for 2017. Um, and, and every year I, uh, you know, I try to, I try to sit and spend some good quality time at the beginning of the year and go, okay, what is, what did I find last year? What do I see? What am I going to do? And so this is kind of where I landed in 2018, but I, but I think it's a, I think it's a good, well, at least right now in my mind, it's a great fit for your question. So if we get halfway in, it's not stop me and we'll start over. But yeah, yeah. so I think, I think, I think for all of us and kind of where we, where we have our, this formation of identity, the formation of truth, lie, the formation of insecurity or courage or all those things. Uh, there, there are two narratives, and by narratives I mean stories. There are two narratives at play in our life at all times. I think one is the narrative that has been told to us about us, so that is totally out of our control. It is the stories, the things, and the phrases that have been told to us about us our whole life. The second is the narrative we tell ourselves about ourselves, mm-hmm. and that's the one we are in semi-control of. Right? That's the dialogue we have with ourselves, yep. regardless of how insane, crazy, or irrational. The thought is where there is an intersection of those two things is where we have an internal truth, lowercase t. Hmm. It is where we have something that we fundamentally believe, and it has a huge implication on how we make decisions and what we do every day. So I'll use myself as an example. Growing up, uh, Rocky, you are um, – why, why are you – Rocky, you're so sensitive. Rocky, oh, Rocky you've, always, you've always been the best. You've always been a performer. Now, you've always loved the stage, haven't you? You always like being the center of attention, don't you? Uh, you know, Rocky, remember when you were little and you did this? Rocky, remember when you were little and you did that? Uh, Rocky, remember when you, like, you're so resilient. Like, you move around so much. Oh, my gosh, I don't know how you did it, but you always did it. And it was, it's so, it's so encouraging. For, okay, so we have this narrative that's been written about me to me that is resiliency. And you have to do it and push through and perform. And people will like you. And if they like you, then that means you can do things. And you can, okay, so, so I have this thing that says if I'm not doing and performing the center of attention and I'm not charismatic and I'm not stealing the room and I'm not, taking energy from you to get you to like me. And if I, then I don't have value because I've been told my whole life. That's who I was. Well, then I pair that with a narrative. I tell myself about myself. It is, I need to be able to like me and I want them to love me and I need them to approve of me and I need for them to. And so now the sudden we have this intersection. There's this intersection that says what I've been told about me and what I tell to me meets and where it meets, that is going to have a direct implication on what I'm doing and what I'm choosing. And so I think what happens is we have to be able, if we want to begin to this process, even on our own at home and get out, you know, get out a piece of paper. If you're listening right now, get out a piece of paper, get out a pen, draw a middle line, you know, turn it sideways so you have more room, draw a line down the middle. And on one side, write stories told to me about me. On the other side, write stories I tell myself about me. 
And then I want you to just start listing. What, what are the, what are the, what do people said? You're always this, you're to this, you're not enough. This, you always did that. You were so this fill in the blanks. Just go, just, just go to work and then start to look where there's a connection and then draw lines between where one side and the other side, you see that they match. And then where they match, I need for us to, to do your best and take a step backward and go, is this true or is this not true? Like capital T, mm-hmm. is this is this actually true about me? Or because of the collision of narrative, have I believed it to be true? And it is absolutely wrecking my ability to see things clearly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because when we do that, now it's 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 effort. You gotta be you gotta you gotta have some wherewithal. You gotta back up. You got to get out of your own way to watch the collision. But if we can identify both sides and watch the collision, now we can have free. Now we can have breakthrough. Now we can go, holy shit. <laughs> I've been told this my whole life. Mm-hmm. And I believe this. I've been telling myself this for 25 years. This, the right side is not true. Yep. Yep. And when we see, we're not trying to dispel both. We're trying to just dispel the one where the lie exists. And then when we dispel one, it can take a hard right or a hard left, and now there is no collision. And when there is no collision, there is no longer truth. And when there is no longer truth, there can be freedom. Mm-hmm. So, you're, so, so this is the work of, um, like, I think when you give something a name, finally, it loses a lot of its power and strength. 100%. Um, so, uh, like, for me, like, I j- just giving suffering and pain a name sometimes allows that pain to kind of, you can kind of step back from it for a bit and go, Oh, I'm way over identified with that. Uh, Or maybe I've created some type of personality, ego mythology, whatever it may be around truths that I've given myself and that I guess others have given to and about me. Yeah. And I think, and I I know I've I've listened to a bunch of the podcasts here before, so I'm going to, I'm going to put you a quick reference, but I think that's why a lot of times, um, females who take Enneagram self-assess as a two, even though they're not hmm. because and that, that, to me, like that is the perfect example of why there's some, where some validity is in what I just said is because there's a truth that's been told about them to them was what they should be. You're supposed to some help. Val- right. Some validity that's been got, like when they did help someone said, you're doing a great job as a woman. So they look at, they look at, they read them all. And they go, well, I gotta be a two because no, 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 no. Because you think you're supposed to be a two because you have two narratives that are colliding. They're not true about you. Hmm. Yeah. And then they realize, oh, that's not true. I'm actually this. They read a six and they're like, well, I'm a six, <laughs> right? I, 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 sh- I mean, rephrase that. I identify with a six. No that's one right. is a number. If you're, you're right. not a number yeah. and don't worry about anybody else and don't identify your kids, just you are you. A number helps bring clarity to who you are if you're healthy. Okay, that's needed to know there. But yeah. so like, I think, I think, but I think that's a point for me. Like I, when I, when I saw that, I heard that I had a bunch of conversations. I was like, man, I, okay. It makes sense to me then. Like, it makes sense to me why what I'm, what I'm thinking is true because even in that we have the, the ability to go, no, I gotta be this. I got, I just, I must be who I am mm-hmm. when, you know, I'm, I, you, you can be bold and courageous and scared out of your mind and, and you can be, you can be loving and kind and simultaneously push into conflict for health. Yeah. And you can like those, those people, from wherever anybody listens to where they are and what they believe from, from philosophers to political figures, to Jesus, to uh, spirituality. And those, those people who have had impact is because they can say both and is because they can speak out of both sides out of their mouth, which seemingly should not agree and make them agree in a way 
and then there is freedom. Yeah. Yeah. yeah we we are, we are living, breathing paradoxes. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and, and emotional, irrational beings. Yeah. yeah. And if you were listening to this and you think you were logical and rational, you are using that to, to flex and to hide every emotion you have because you don't want to feel out of control when your emotions are guiding you to be rational. So just own it. Mm-hmm. But that's a different podcast. So mm-hmm. anyway, <laughs> yeah. So as, as you started to do this work, as you started to reground yourself in um, what you value, your capital T truth, what, what posture or how, how did your posture in life begin to change? Um, as you started to see this, this shift where really it, of course it becomes a conversation about service. Of course it becomes about enriching the world that you've been entrusted. The spotlight does move off you a bit. Uh, and and it's the, it's not only this thing that juices you up to get out of bed, but it's also this gift to the world. Um, I'd love for you to share on just kind of like just some real simple, so, and maybe even subtle changes that you started to notice um, in life, work, relationships, yeah. and yeah. so forth. Yes, the first one is uh, the entire world is now my responsibility. Yeah. There are very, very, very few things that are my responsibility. There are many things I have the privilege to interact with and to participate in if and when I'm willing and ready. But very few things are my responsibility. So you, so agenda, um, a hundred agendas in a day change to three to five. At maximum. Maximum. And doing my best to go, my agenda at home is not my work. My agenda at home is my agenda at home. My agenda at work is my agenda at work. And yes, there is blending. And yeah, I mean, my wife and I literally, we just got a new office together today. We were together for about five years, all 24 seven. The last three years, we've worked in the same general place, about the same office. And we literally, we literally got the keys to move into our new office today um, to be, to, to, to be in the same room together. And so, yeah, for sure. There's overlap for us. We have three or four businesses and we work together in the same office. And so we just had a conversation about what we're going to do with our son as soon as we pick him up from school and uh, taxes in about four and a half minutes. So <laughs> I'm not saying, I'm not, I'm not asking you to compartmentalize. I'm saying find what's really important and just do that. Yeah. You know, yeah. like, don't, don't overthink it. Yeah. We, we, we overthink everything. Yeah. Um, and that doesn't mean if you're a thinker to stop thinking, think, yeah. just, just stop making something that doesn't exist, exist simply because we want something to worry about. Um, yeah. And, and, so would, and the minute you, the minute you really own and, and grab hold of these values, it, it's as though like just some oxygen comes back into your lungs man, and, and you're not, you can breathe. you're not on the hook every second in ego. Like you just, you're, right. you're, you're present. You can breathe. Um, every moment isn't this life or death, pass or fail moment. You, you really allow to move what I'll say into flow in lieu of force, you know? Right. Um, and uh, it's not only do you like, I mean, even just saying it, I feel like I'm breathing easier. Not only do you um, enjoy just the subtle presence of, of your own being more, but you're also... Yeah a lot more available in moments with other people that you've been entrusted. Yeah. You know, there's a, I got to think about the right way to say this. or not the right way, but an effective way. Um, you know, I, last, last week for me, you're, you're catching me at a, you're catching me at a moment where I am, 
I'm a, I'm a bit I'm a bit unraveled because I experienced a lot of things that I haven't experienced in a really long time in the last four days when I was in the mountains and at that retreat and leading those folks and mm. uh, I think for a long time and by a long time I mean my entire life I only thought that this and by this I mean anything that I feel like I was made or designed for I only thought it was going to work if I did everything, was everything and climbed to the top of the mountain every day and screamed my name as loud as I could and hope that someone would hear me and ask me to come down and help them. Yeah. Like I thought that, that I had to be able to dictate and control every invoice, every conversation, every meeting, every piece of content. Uh, and it was, you know, I look around and go, you know, and this is a stupid example, but I'm just, I'm just being honest. I, I'm looking around going, man, I've been on Instagram since it came out. I've been an entrepreneur for eight years. I've been pushing my brand and what I'm doing. And I only have 4,300 followers. And I, and I, this is a stupid example, but I'm going to go with it because I think it relates, culturally it relates. And I'm looking around going, man, I'm doing my best to do good and to be good and to help others. It's free and I'm not charging you and I don't sell you anything. And I don't, could I just get a few more followers? Like, shouldn't I have 10 or 20,000 or 50,000? Should, should, don't people want this? Don't you need me? Don't you want me to help you on Monday morning, your drive to work when you sh- almost are going to crash because you're on Instagram? Like, <laughs> right? Like I have this because I, th- I thought to make a change and to be effective meant that I had to be the loudest voice in the room so you could hear me. Mm. And I think I'm finding and by finding, I mean, I'm four days deep. So, you know, <laughs> who knows what's going to happen. <laughs> but I think I'm like, it's going to work not because I scream my name. It's going to work because I was... I was careful with the people that had been entrusted to me. And those people were willing to say my name because they found something for themselves and they wanted somebody else to experience it. No one is going to use me, hire me, pay me, trust me because I have a great brand, because I said I was awesome. They're gonna do it because people they love and care about said there was another human being who loved and cared about them. Hey, before you go, don't forget to hit subscribe right there on your phone. That's probably where you're listening. Uh, And if you enjoyed this, would you mind leaving us a review? One of the things that we're wanting to do is get this information out to as many people as we can. And we are finding that uh, when people leave good, true, and beautiful reviews, uh, that helps us get this information out more and more to people all across the world. I do not take it lightly uh, that you invite me to ride shotgun with you in your car. Uh, You allow these conversations to be a part of your jogs. You allow these conversations to be a part of the communities and families and businesses that you've been entrusted. Uh, I do not take that lightly at all, and I am thrilled uh, that you have joined us here at this table, at this conversation. There's always a seat left. There's always room for more, uh, and we are just so grateful for you guys joining us here at Good, True, and Beautiful. And as you approach this week, may you pause by the orchid. Listen to the bluebirds sing and be loved.